Welcome to the T-Hood Podcast. I'm Moby. And I'm Leland Steele. Well, Leland, it's spring. Spring has sprung. How are you doing these days? I saw you like a week ago. I actually saw you (laughs) in person. I know. It was awesome. We went to uh, Ghost Marty's grave, placed some very pleasant cheeseburgers on his grave. Yep. His favorite flower. Yep. His uh, his <laughs> wife had completely changed her hair color and glasses. As a widower often does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was good. It was chilly. It would have been actually much better to do it now. Yes, yes, it would. Well, maybe maybe later on we'll, we'll brave we'll brave more. Um, and yeah, again, uh, listener, I I know we didn't have a guest. We we didn't have a guest last time, right? It was the no. time before we had my brother. Honestly, listener, I'm lining up some good guests, and we should have some good guests the next couple months here. So I just wanted to bring that out. I'm not going to spoil who they are, but my guess is going to be better. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, oh, no awkward laughter to defend me. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, uh, <clears throat> let's go to the banter section. Leland, I, you've got one, I got two, so why don't I start with one so we do the sandwich method? Everybody loves a Leland sandwich. Let's do it. So the first one is something I want to watch potentially tonight, if not Wednesday, I think I can watch it. But <laughs> but um, the new Nicolas Cage movie, Willy's Wonderland, is finally out, I've noticed. And have you seen it? Because I know you wanted to see it. I have not seen it, no. I've heard... Uh mixed things well i've heard cage doesn't talk a lot in it yeah which I hear that too. is a problem because it seems like it defeats the purpose of cage i don't think best physical actors of the past 40 years nick cage doesn't come to the top of my list okay <laughs> he, he does he brings other things to the table you know the the what i find now with cage movies is everybody but us loved mandy so it's always compared to mandy they put it on this mandy scale as if mandy is this great ass this great like the one of the best cage movies i don't understand i don't get it there was the one scene with him in the bathroom with the vodka that was funny or otherwise cage worthy pass i'd much rather have what is it the color of space over mandy yeah 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 right color of space like come on man so, yeah, anyways, I'm looking forward to, to Willy's Wonderland. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe it's going to suck, but I don't know. I love the premise of it. The premise is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll let you know what I think. What's your, uh, what's your first banter? I wanted to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League. I did get a chance to watch it. I, I, I got Crave so I could watch it. I really liked it. I thought it was dope. I don't think we like I have we haven't podcast since I've seen it, I don't think, right? No. And and I haven't seen it. You have and I want to expand on this because uh listener Mike, Mike Herman, um he's actually one of our most loyal listener and he always messages me. He's former guest, he'll be a guest again. But he had actually messaged me on Facebook last week and he said, you know, can you guys discuss Justice League, you know, versus, you know, the Snyder cut versus the original the Whedon cut? I said I haven't you know seen it yet. I need to set aside a month to watch the two films back to back. <laughs> but but 
but in the interest of Mike, who is both loyal host and listener, I think we should expand on. Okay, number one, Leland, have you seen the original cut? Yeah, I will caveat that. I saw it in the middle of a nine-hour flight on the way to Paris three years ago <laughs> or four years ago, however fucking long it was. So, so did most of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> so I, I, I won't. I'm not the the best. Uh, advocate for either movie as far as directly comparing the two but yeah from what i remember it's it it was just as mediocre or shitty as everyone said it was so the snyder cut in your opinion by the way listener i'm drinking so you may hear the odd clank of ice or whatever i'm i'm always drinking (laughs) the snyder cut compared to the original could you put like a percentage or even like a out of 10 score together how much better the Snyder Cut was to the original, in your opinion? It is like a thousand percent better than the original. It's cohesive. It has a narrative that you can follow. The updates uh, that they did on Steppenwolf are dope. Steppenwolf's a great character now. He's He's a good villain. He's not just some, you know, punching bag for the rest of the team now. Very clearly, <laughs> this is just like Snyder did everything he possibly wanted to do. There was literally nothing left ed- on the editing floor, right? So I find it difficult to actually judge this in the same vein that you would judge a normal movie, a normal studio movie. And then you kind of on the on the flip side, though, it's like, why does Snyder get to basically circumvent the criticism, the same types of criticism that you would apply to any other movie, right? You know, okay, but on the subject of criticism, though, the criticism was originally that he didn't get to make his cut, and the criticism usually is of movies is that directors have to overcut. And Schneider was allowed to do his, you know, four-hour cut, which is insane. That's, to me, not like... That, that that that's to me like a miracle that he was able to do this. I agree. So what I mean, so I mean that in the context of this specific movie that they put out on HBO Max or whatever on Crave in, in Canada, there's no way this possibly was the vision that Snyder had for a theatrical release movie. There's no way. This might have been ah. more akin to a vision very when when Justice League was first announced it was you know oh it's going to be two parts that i could see but there's no fucking way snyder ever thought i can put this in the theater like there's no way so i think he took the liberties that he was granted with the way you know the extra what was it like an extra 60 or 70 million dollars or they put into it or how however much it was totally like he they gave so much money to a lot of money and i think in a lot of areas it was done it was used really like steppenwolf looks dope as fuck too like he's got this like rippling armor too that kind of reacts almost like seems to his mood like he looks awesome he's dope and we get to see dark side which is awesome i mean just a huge fan of dark side because i love seeing soups and dark side go go at each other you don't get it in his snyder cut unfortunately because again like the other weird thing about it is you're watching it knowing nothing will come up. Well, is nothing's going to come of all these strands that he's laying, that Snyder lays down right for the future of the J right. the the DCEU the, the extended universe of this this movie universe. So it's 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 bittersweet because you're like 
well, that would be cool to see it further explored. Like, obviously, it's it's this huge build to Darkseid. And I think the build to Darkseid is, like, the process has started really well with the Snyder Cut. But, like, we're never going to see it. I mean, like, were we ever going to get Cavill back as soups? Like, I, I don't know. So, it's bittersweet in a lot of areas. Everyone says, like, okay, you could, you, you could have easily cut, like, an hour out of the four. And it would have been, like, a much... It, I, I hesitate to say that it would have made it a better movie if you cut an hour out of it. But it would have made it a, pal, a more palatable movie movie for a lot more people. Mm. It's interesting how you use the word palatable. I actually like that. It's like it's almost too much food. Like you're stuffing yourself and you're right. like, oh, for like the normal person. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's cohesive. It's fun. But I'm feeling too stuffed. You know, I don't know if I've asked you this. I'm sure I have in the past, but um, Batflick. Like, were you with Batflick when he was first announced? Uh, have you come around to Batflick, or is he still mediocre to you? What are your thoughts on Batflick? No, I like I like Batflick. I mean, he's just he's a fucking beast. Uh, he he's he is the Batman that they've written him to be. He's like a a la Dark Knight Returns Batman. Um, there's even a nod to that. You a further nod to that comic at the very end of the movie. You see him in his Dark Knight Returns tank. It's literally the fucking tank is his Batmobile in Dark Knight Returns. So, <laughs> so there's an, another a further nod to the insp- <laughs> the clear inspiration for Batfleck. You know, uh, this old retired you know retired quote unquote Batman coming back and because he has to come back kind of thing. So it's funny though with Batfleck because like you get a lot of Batman, you don't get much Bruce Wayne. And even when you get Bruce Wayne, it's like he's been Batman for so long that they're now just there's not even that there's not even that alter ego anymore. Almost. Right. Interesting. Um, I got to bring it up publicly, but Leto was in the film and he was tolerable for Leland. <laughs> I, I have to say it. Publicly. He was he was in one of the 16,000 post-credit scenes. <laughs> there were a lot of post-credit <laughs> scenes. <laughs> and I did not mind him. One, uh, mainly because they got rid of all the bullshit tattoos and grill crap. He looked like a normal Joker. Like he wasn't some fucking gangster Joker or whatever their inspiration was the last time we saw him in Suicide Squad. So, right. The the writing in that specific interchange between the Joker and Batman could really have used some work. Um, <laughs> Joker talks about giving Bat... Uh, bats a reach around at one point in this conversation there it's oh it gets weird at some points but like i like the general tone and like the idea that snyder was going for i, I like i i liked it possible homosexual must investigate <laughs> right exactly i don't know what's going <laughs> snyder's on snyder's just continuing his thread yeah. he's just going from watchman yeah, 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 to yeah. batman <laughs> yeah yeah i mean there's like a a few things in the movie that fell flat uh there's a lot of cyborg you get a lot of cyborg in this movie a good, good, sizable chunk of the runtime is devoted to fleshing out Cyborg's backstory. Well, which the actor complained about him not having enough of that, you know, in the original cut, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, okay. Well, that's good. Maybe I got to dive into it and, you know, we'll review it in depth for the two listener that have never seen it yet or something at some point. I'd um, recommend it. Know you know, we... I'd watch it again. I would definitely watch it again. I mean, they, it's broken up into chapters throughout. So it's actually really easy to just like, you know, stop at one of the end of these chapters that 
sometimes seemingly are arbitrarily put into the four hour runtime. Because <laughs> like, you know, it's it's like it's like, OK, I mean, really, re- really, it's it's like Snyder trying to be like avant garde, but it's still Snyder. <laughs> so it's this weird it's this weird, like, I don't know, stylized indie feel that doesn't really go fully together. You always know you're watching a Zack Snyder movie, but you're also like imagining Snyder just like sitting on the on the watching his own final cut and just masturbating to how great he thinks it is. (laughs) 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 They've called his cuts in the past the extended cut. So no wonder (laughs) he's extending himself. I loved his extended cut of Watchmen. I don't want to change the thing, but I loved it. See. You could get, like, somewhere there's an extended cut of Justice League about the runtime of extended Watchmen, and it's it's a better movie. This takes it, it's the extended extended. You took, you know, you, you're called the doctor because you've been erect for longer than four hours. You get the COVID erection. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're going to die of that, Snyder. <laughs> you you got to start cutting. You I mean, just this is just clearly, like, a man that thinks every one of his ideas is like fucking amazing and when a studio was like here you go put every idea you have here's more money 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 to put every idea you've ever had into a single entity he said fuck yeah i'm gonna do it and it's really clear (laughs) that's what he did so love it or hate it you asked for it people asked for this and a studio listened and the studio paid so i don't know power the people i guess well, I mean, it becomes something that I, I don't know if it'll ever be studied in film school, but it becomes something that, you know, you certainly could. I would just this whole situation, um, certainly for Zack Snyder, I think it may in retrospect to be his magnum opus, even if it's not considered his best film because of the amount of freedom and money he had to make this film, whatever he wanted it to be, you know, might be. Worth at least if you're going to do like a deep dive into Zack Snyder, you focus a lot of your time on on his Justice League cut. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, my banter number three is small, but it's just come out in like the past 24 hours that 46% of Americans would vote for Rock to be president, Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> and, and he, he based off his tweets, is virtually confirming he's going to do it at some point. He's like, he's like, I don't think the founding fathers thought a half black, half Samoan tattooed, uh, what else did he say? Tequila guzzling, pickup driving, movie actor would be president. But he's like, if it happens, I will do it for you, the people. Like, you know, flexing <laughs> emoticons. And then there's like several interviews with him since where he's like, yeah, you know, I'm seriously considering it. But that's not the real punchline. The real punchline, I've heard a rumor, or I read a rumor today from a couple sources. I shit you not, Chris Evans would be vice president under Dwayne Johnson. What? They're talking about <laughs> Johnson Evans ticket for vote. like 2024. I'll, I'll get on that. I'll get that. I know. I don't. Cap, Captain America. He can literally right? stand before Putin and say, I'm Captain America. <laughs> Maybe he'll get that ring. <laughs> he Putin stole a ring once from Robert Kraft, the owner of yeah. the New England Patriots. He just walked. He just looked at the ring and then walked out of the room with his bodyguards. 
And that's all that happened. He just walked away with the ring and like Captain America can get it back. He's <laughs> no, no. Putin gets Captain Cap shield. He just walks away with it. <laughs> well, this wasn't really a banter, but based off how Wyatt Russell is being treated for his Captain America, he might as well be Putin because there's so much hate out for him. Yeah, well, um, that's funny they say that because I am about halfway through the third episode of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And the first episode didn't grab me. The second one I'm in. And like now I'm in because the third one is, you know, I'm not that far. I'm almost done it. But and yeah, I, I hate him, too. I hate him, too. I mean, he's not Chris Evans. I think you're supposed to hate him. And they how do can you not hate him? They still had to make him like a person in, in the in this in the TV show. But like you got to You got to hate him. They got to know everyone's going to hate him. Right. Well, yeah, there's so, I mean, there's basically warring factions. Like, Russell's getting death threats from some people for not being the cap that everybody knows and loves. Oh, in there's real There's other life? people that are, like, for real life, death, okay, death threats. that's yeah. brutal. Yeah. But then there's other people that are like, dude, he's just an actor doing a good job playing a character that was obviously written to be this way. To hate, exactly. Yeah. To hate. So, like, what, you're going to go bomb the guy in his mansion for playing a character if anything don't give death threats but go after the writers if you care that much don't go after Wyatt Russell what is he supposed to do yeah but that's like a history in Hollywood people don't like a character they go after the actor because it's a physical tangible thing they can go after that happens all the time you mark my words listener you heard it on the T-Hud podcast first listen to Moby crazy Moby Hayden Christensen will be redeemed in the Kenobi Star Wars show as an actor, as an actor. If you don't believe me, see the movie Shattered Glass starring Hayden Christensen. One of my favorites, probably top 10, maybe top 15. He can act. Look at what he was supposed to be. I mean, George Lucas was a terrible director who didn't know how to direct, but truthfully the skywalkers ended up we didn't know at the time but they ended up having this like genetic trait of being the whiniest people in the galaxy which followed through with kylo and so you know anakin was just that and anyways don't get me into it we'll see he'll be redeemed you watch him they will make him act good and he will be celebrated once again well good for him fingers (laughs) crossed Anyways, listener, we got a big show. That was a that was like solid twenty minutes of banter, and we still have one of those almost never done condescending controversies. So. Hot diggity damn! Well, I mean, we might as well get into it, I guess. It's time for condescending controversy—the most loving hate you will ever experience. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what it's become. Yeah, it has. The idea was that you and me would rage at each other because. We did that when we were young, but now we're old men and we don't have the balls to do it. Ah, We don't have the fire. Just the coals (laughs) slowly burning. (laughs) I like that. Um, So this condescending controversy. So actually, listener, what we haven't told you is this uh, episode is 90s themed. Everything seems to have suddenly gone from the 80s to everybody celebrates the 90s. You know what's going to happen at some point. Um, And so, you know, we wanted to do our own pathetic episode on the 90s (laughs) and and to start that off i just thought it would be interesting to do condescending controversy about which video games are better 80s video games which will be defended by me or 90s video games defended by leland and i'm sure as usual i've over prepared and leland's gonna kick my ass so well not video games and movies right are we lumping 
both of them together or uh let me look at my own show notes oh yeah it is movies and video games yeah that's right okay i'm gonna be at a disadvantage (laughs) (laughs) but i will i i will be able to do what you do which is pull an episode out of my ass every single episode so (laughs) but uh you know what leland let's give you the opening shot you know we'll give you the uh what is the white chess pieces usually go first 90s movies and video games what would be your first argument well i mean for quite frankly on both sides the my i mean the my argument of them being superior is just simply because of technological advances like you, you literally can't argue the advancement of technology in fact our next segment is discussing just that as far as video games go right yeah so that's that's going to be a tough one for you to get around i think just based off of that so that's like my underlying like step up i have that i'm starting on i feel like yeah, you know, it, it's interesting that I I knew I was going to have to concede this point to you when I came up with this. And my thought about it was, if only I was defending the 2000s against the 90s, because we got to do an episode at some point about um, like CG actually going backwards, because some of the CG from the 90s, you look at like Independence Day, that mix of CG and miniatures is amazing it 100 percent holds up to this day yeah the movie's gonna be 30 years old in five years like it's it's crazy and then you get this stupid but you know economic grade cgi in so many movies nowadays that's just terrible and unfinished so anyways i'm almost ranting against myself yeah i have to give you that point um, my first point specifically with 80s video games would be that there's way more classic games from the 80s and that most of the classic video game franchises, there were, there were many more franchises that were amazing that were started in the 80s that the 90s just did like sequel, sequel, sequel for the most part. You look at Nintendo, you look at Mario Brothers, uh, like uh, Zelda um oh what else i I think i could be wrong i think the first sonic came out on sega master drive or master system um but anyways there there seemed to be a lot more enduring franchises that were started in the 80s than in the 90s and my second point to that i'm gonna like jab to the right is it was the 80s that saved video games like like E.T. in the crash of 1983 was the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1985 that not only saved video games, but like surged video games mm, from disagree. which they always recovered. You disagree. I you They may have uh, brought it back from the brink, but the normalization of home consoles in the 90s is what boomed the industry. And that's what kept the industry going after you. It made. No, OK. It made it made it yes. accessible. Yes. What that, console made it doesn't matter. No, no, no console more accessible than NES. There was a, there was an explosion of it where there was just more than one NES. Like it it made it it brought it more into the mainstream. You had consoles. I, no, I would agree with you on competition, but I would mm. not say that any system besides NES more brought home consoles into the main mainstream. I'm gaslighting you here, buddy. I'm gaslighting you. You're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> what, what kind of argument are you making? But look, because it made the home console a staple because it effectively killed arcades. So it shifted and it saved right. children 
millions and millions of quarters that they were being scammed from, these arcade owners, it prevented children from being taken advantage of. Right, but there's the counterpunch in the 90s of PC gaming, which took out a huge chunk of the home entertainment industry and has continued to punch and take away at it ever since. Not that console industry isn't healthy, but I'm just saying think PC it... came in. You're talking about new competition and all this. No, it's market. Okay, but it's like it's just market share. It's not like it's it didn't hinder any growth. No, but I would throw P so PC wasn't a big thing, that big of a thing in the 80s. So my point is that the NES is the gold standard of home console, home acceptance before competition came in. It it was so overwhelming, and that's why it wins. So you're just saying it stood apart because it had no competition, whereas now moving into the 90s with competition, there are still flourishing consoles, and obviously the fl- the big three that came out of it at the end of it. Well, no, my, my argument simply was is that y- your argument was that it was the 90s that led to the flourishing and acceptance of the home console, and, uh, you know, I'm I'm saying uh, it, was, uh, it was the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System. Mike Kermit! Back me up, Mike. Where are you at? Where are you at? Come here. <laughs> Look, you you can you can make the argument, and obviously saw it coming that you know you you have all these foundations that you're being laid, like you say with all the first iterations of many long-standing franchises. But moving to the '90s and then building on those originals to the sequels that led to revolutionizing entire genre of video games, right? I mean, out of the '90s birth huge booming fps genre same as survival horror rts mmos so it's i don't know to get if, if that's your point though because yes i agree the foundation has to be laid right you don't have good walls and ro- the roof walls and roof don't stand if the foundation isn't there yeah you'll get you'll you'll nail me on sequels and you'll nail me on revolutionary how sequels. how i mean how exactly are we going to be defining you know better well Okay, I'll take Zelda and I'll argue against myself. So Zelda Ocarina of Time, which moved Zelda into 3D, is considered like one of the best video games of all time, really revolutionary. You know, this action RPG that still kept all the dungeoneering but moved it into the 3D realm. The only counterpoint I could have to that from the 80s is that Zelda Breath of the Wild, which I don't think you've even played because you don't play Nintendo stuff. No, Zelda Breath of the Wild virtually a spiritual recreation of the original Zelda from the 80s. And Breath of the Wild is like the big Zelda now. It's the one that's actually getting a direct sequel. Uh, I'd already had a sequel of sorts with the like Dynasty Warriors version of it. So, so you know, that, that would be my only counterpoint. But I, I even look at like Super Mario 64. Like that revolutionized video games forever too and platforming and everything. And that was 90s. I mean, yeah, concede to me the whole franchise point that it was like this unprecedented era of creativity. True. Yeah. I mean, we. It's funny now, like thinking about like the movie portion of this is that's kind of also true for movies as well. I mean, yes, there was, again, a lot of like revitalization in a lot of different areas as far as movies go in the 90s. But quite a number like i mean i of course i originally i go right to like horror movies right and like you know everyone says scream just brought slashers back into the mainstream right uh in the early 90s and when when the 80s 
are like the slashers I like to watch, you know, like the Nightmare on Elm Street and the Friday the 13th. So it's funny. There, there's parallels in there too, right? Because you do still need, you need the, the creativity before in the earlier decades to even be inspired to be more creative in the following decade. Could you imagine if they had Final Destination 1 done in the 80s, how good that movie would be? <laughs> <laughs> Surely somebody thought of something Ashley like and that. Ashley with their permed hair in like a pink Ferrari. It yes. would be the best thing. Ever. And then they're in the, instead of the, in the tanning booths, they're in those big hair dryers <laughs> that go right over your head. Boom. Oh, Leland, we got to go back in time and write Here this we movie. Go. Let's take the DeLorean. We'll, make, we'll be millionaires. Throw in some techno, bada bing, bada boom. You got yourself an 80s movie. Find like a 15-year-old Zack Snyder. Be like, here's $70 million. We got a movie for you to make. Yep, yep. <laughs> So okay, oh, I want to go good. back to I want to go to your 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 Zelda thing you're talking about. So to, what you're saying about that is Breath of the Wild, as you say, a spiritual successor. So are you saying that that's your way of evening up the technology fault in your argument, where like this this is basically what you would compare Ocarina yes. to, and kind of the popularity of the two is a more accurate matchup even though it's not an 80s game but like it's no i'm saying you know what i'm saying is that um that breath of the wild is really the only counter punch i can give you that i can think of because it's not a revolutionary game based on technology it's a revolutionary game based on what it brought to open world gaming by basically fulfilling the original idea of the 80s zelda the first zelda so by by basically doing what Shigeru Miyamoto probably would have done had he had all this technology available, his original vision, Breath of the Wild validates the original vision. It validates the 1980 game as absolutely revolutionary, one of the best ideas ever. Um, because as great as Majora's Mask was and, and Ocarina of Time and the other games in the 90s and even the games that came past in the 2000s, Twilight Princess, uh, whatever, Sky skyward sword they were not the original vision of zelda they were revolutionary but they were not the original vision of zelda so i'm making a long-winded point that yeah they were good and they revolutionized video games but the endearing idea of zelda one is as revolutionary if not more okay can you sum up in five to eight words breath of the wild and five like adjectives Freedom, nonlinear, exploration, discovery, mystery. Okay. None of those things were invented in 2018, whenever this fucking <laughs> game, whenever this game came out. So yeah, you may say that, oh, that would be, these are five great things that, uh, that was the originally wanted, but just unable to do. But like things that the games have been doing that since like the late nineties and into the two thousands. So that's not anything reflective. Okay. Ride I a mean... bear, <laughs> ride an elk, make potions out of lizard creatures, riding a separate bear, uh, becoming naked and having to fight your way off an Island with nothing. Okay. That's actually a fun part of the game. <laughs> Link gets all his clothing and all his items taken away, and he's in a loincloth, 
And there's like a small island that he basically has to start from absolute scratch. It takes about three hours to get through and get off. It's so hard, but it's so much fun. That's like the most non-goo-goo baby mode I've ever played. Successfully. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay, just so saying like... Bear loincloth. That stuff's been done. Like, it's not... This is what I don't understand. This is what I don't understand about Breath of the Wild. Like, yeah, okay, it brought like an open world sandbox type game to Nintendo. Like, it's like that's what it did. But it didn't bring that to everyone else. It brought it to the... Maybe let's narrow it down to that specific franchise, sure. Like, it blew up that franchise. And a lot of other franchises don't do that, right? And but, I, but will, other open I will... But worlds... I will say that... Go ahead. <laughs> the Zelda franchise certainly lends itself to being more creative in the way that the character is implemented in the style of the game. I mean, just think of all the, the ranging games, just the visual aesthetic alone ranging through the decades of, of this franchise. I will certainly admit the, its flexibility and its adaptability, I think maybe is a better word to the times. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep, franchise certainly has it, it going, going for it. So you think, you, do you purport that all of that flexibility was based solely on the original vision, just hampered by the physical capabilities, like uh, uh, yes, limitations? That's what you were saying. Hundred percent, hundred percent. The case of Zelda. Okay, so oh, from hundred percent from that one game, the original Zelda. Every other idea and video for any game ever every genre could potentially branch out of it you're saying this is the one seed that births the tree of the entirety of the video game industry is that what you're telling me it's one tree in a beautiful garden because <laughs> <laughs> i could i could counter argue that you know okay so super mario 64 was great and i hate to harp on just nintendo shit but um, Super Mario 64 was great, but it wouldn't be there if we didn't have Super Mario Brothers and also 2-3 born in the 80s. But I mean, in traditional style for this thing, I need to give you props too, in that there were games that came out in the 80s where the seed was not as good as the tree that grew. And an example was Final Fantasy. Came out in 1989, I think it was. Good game, by all rights, kept Squaresoft alive. But, I mean, if you look at Final Fantasy 3 slash 6, depends on how you want to count it, from 1994, and Final Fantasy 7 from 1997, there's no comparison to the original. The, the 90s version of the game franchise blows it out of the water. So, I mean, my seed argument doesn't does go both ways. So I'll say Yeah, that. well, I mean, I, I think that's conducive of trying to measure out an entire decade of something. There's right. no way you're not getting, there's no possible way for you to have 10 years worth of viable seeds for the garden that you're planting. <laughs> right. You're going to let the right. tree sprout and tap every one of them for that sweet, sweet maple syrup. <laughs> Which I do work. in Stardew Valley, but exactly. Not in 90s game. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things I struggle fighting, like you said, was your opening argument when it comes to video games in the, the 90s. Um, and we'll discuss this next segment, but the, the technological progress when I looked it up to prep for this episode was like way more mind blowing than I thought. Mm -hmm. Like for what happened in a 10 year period, like video games, it looks like we went from infancy to almost nowadays 
in 10 years. Yeah. Like, where is the comparison to that after, like, into the 2000s? Like, even if you look at the 2000s to now, is it a similar no. progress, do you feel? Like, I no. mean, how could it be eventually you hit a cap? Well, and that, I don't want to go off on a huge tangent here, but that's why I'm surprised that Resident Evil 4 is getting a remake and why I think it might be a cash grab. Because video games of and course. graphics have not advanced significantly since that generation. What the fuck is a remake of... It'd basically be like putting high-definition textures on on it. It's It'd be like yeah. an HD re-release. Which they've done multiple times already. <laughs> I know. By the way, our preview of Village, perhaps coming up next month. No, I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, movies. Oh, man, movies, movies, movies. Do you really honestly think movies were better in the 80s than in the 90s? No, because it's so subjective. There's a few movies I love, Back to the Future, Top Gun, stuff like that. But if I look at my movie shelf, there's so much more from the 90s. Um, I think where it killed me was one of my favorite movies. Nobody else gives a shit, but I love Hunt for the Red October now is one of my favorite movies. And I was like, that's 1989. And I looked it up and I'm like, oh, that's 1990. But, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, again, in the 90s, for the movies, you have this huge boom in, in CGI tech, right? And yeah. you have like a, a large number of big name directors making their debut mm-hmm. in, in the 90s. There was a rise in the popularity of independent films and birthed a lot of independent studios as well that are now still around making movies like New Line Cinema and, and Lionsgate. Of course, the entire creation of a new industry as far as um, video rentals, right? Yeah. Yeah. Have you um, have you had a chance to check out that uh, last blockbuster documentary? No, and I want to because that's very that would be very interesting for me. I think you'd like it. I, uh, I I enjoyed it. The last blockbuster is in Bend, Oregon. For those that do not know and have not seen it, I think it's I watched it. On, I think it's on Netflix, right? Yeah, Netflix who killed Blockbuster now does this like final victory dance by making a <laughs> documentary on that of what right? they destroyed. Interesting enough, you kind of learn a little. You get a little more insight into that and just what really killed Blockbuster. It wasn't necessarily streaming services and, and like like Netflix. There's a little more to it in the in the in the um, in the documentary apparently, but I mean when I was going for that like it actually covers in, in that documentary like to buy a VHS there were like upwards of like a hundred dollars to purchase a copy of a of a of a of a movie so like that's you know it bred this rental yep. industry and it also affected filmmaking itself because. A lot of uh, direct they were starting to keep in mind as far as like editing shots and formatting, so the film looks great on a screen, on a big screen, and on a TV. So it influenced home entertainment as well. Yeah, that's very interesting. And um, I have memories as a kid. I think maybe it was a six month period or a year period where we would occasionally rent a VCR along with two, three movies for the weekend. And it was like a big deal at the time before we bought our first VCR because my dad wanted one, but and later Moby wanted one as he found out. But I remember it was a big deal and, and I miss it. I, I honestly, to this day, miss the experience of going to a video store. Our town tried to keep them alive with a couple independent ones, but they were pretty... Meh, they weren't fun to browse. 
Yeah, and they also had to branch out into other things too, right? Like it was Magic more than just movies. Of course. I mean magical magical keep any type of shop into business, really. <laughs> in a lot of areas. <laughs> That's right. Leland were opening a baby supply store held <laughs> propped up by Magic the Gathering <laughs> Magic in the, the back corner. <laughs> what, what, what would we call it? Infants in instance. Hey, go. <laughs> that's good. I like it. <laughs> we'll lightning bolt those diaper savings for you. <laughs> that's our version of rollbacks. Every time your child leaves an Eldrazi in their diaper, you come by, see us. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> listener doesn't know what the fuck we're talking about unless someone out there does magic. someone out there does i just concede okay. i concede oh man you know what oh fuck you're gonna con- uh, you're gonna make me concede this to you which always happens because of home video which i never thought about the experience of home video in the 90s alone is enough for me to concede hmm <laughs> i just i loved it i love talking yeah. to educated kids which were actually seemed to me to be adults at the time because I was like 15 and they were like 19, which at the time was the biggest difference. And they would give advice on movies and, you know, you, I'd drive out my Topaz to rent Fantastic Four only to find out it was all gone. Yeah. So, you know, I had to settle with The Mummy for like the fifth time. Hey, that's, that's not movie. bad. That's, that's a, a good movie. movie. That's, that's a great movie. That's a good Brendan Fraser movie. It's a powerful week movie. Well, I mean, the 90s also saw, like, what people are called, like, this Disney renaissance for their animated films, if anybody actually gives a fuck about that. Uh, actually, one thing that really is kind of near and dear to my heart is that uh, the, the way the 90s were able to bring uh, quite a number of, like, Hong Kong action mm. stars into, like, Hollywood yeah. mainstream. Um, like, Very good point. I would watch every Jackie Chan movie. Loved watching Jackie oh, Chan yeah. as a kid. Man, his movies were always so fucking good and entertaining. Um, yeah, like John Woo, Chow Young Fad, Jet Li too. My, Jet Li. I loved, yeah, I always loved, Jackie was like for the kids, but Jet Li was like for the badass teens, right? <laughs> he totally was because like he had way less charisma and honestly English skills than Jackie Chan did. Jackie Chan was much more of a clown, so he was really entertaining. Mm. Um, but yeah, Jet Li had the skills. There was some movie that came out. I forget the name. My brother and I owned it on vhs it was awesome and it had like jet lee in one of his first roles i think but also jason statham i think it was oh. like so old that jason statham had a little bit of hair left like that <laughs> like that like that guy went bald at like 16 so wasn't there one that was like the blood dragon or something or i just remember distinctly like one of the, my very earliest memories movie memories is Jet Li fighting in a pool hall. He kicks a pocket of the pool table, putting a pool ball in the air, and then, like, spins and kicks the ball at someone <laughs> out of the middle. Like, I don't even know if that's an actual scene, but that is a memory I have of watching in some type of Jet Li movie. Knowing Jet Li, that is very possibly a real move. <laughs> By the way, listener, the movie I was thinking of that I somehow liked as a kid was called The One. It has a sparkling oh, 14% yes. on Rotten Tomatoes. 14%? <laughs> that movie was better than 14%. I th- agree. I agree. I remember that. That was... I remember yeah. seeing that in theaters. There's Statham with the world's biggest widow's peak. But he's a cool guy that can get any <laughs> woman alive. So I'm not going to mm-hmm, tease mm-hmm. him. Actually, his... <laughs> 
Based off all these shots from the movie, I think he gets so bald that his widow peak disappears from the beginning of the movie to the end, where he's like, bald in all these shots. There's like an obvious progression. Poor guy. Anyways, he's still so cool. <laughs> okay, do I win? Yeah, fine. We got to go on to the next section. You <laughs> I mean, okay, let's, to summarize, technological advances versus building blocks. What do you value most? That's literally what it boils down to. That is right? actually what it boils down to. Because the big word of today, listener, for you is iterative. The 90s was iterative. It heavily built on all the seeds planted in the 80s. But still progressed. Yeah, it's progressed. That's what iteration is. Moby, the former English teacher. Mm, thank you for that lesson. <laughs> it is condescending controversy, after all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on to the video game variety show. As alluded to, talking about 90s technological boom. I mean, you wrote my argument for me on this. This I did, I did, and that's what's that's what's nice for us being how far we're into this podcast at this point. Well, only forty-seven minutes, but like we've basically hinted strongly at what this is, and what it was, listeners. When I was putting together a '90s episode, I tried to see, okay, what was like some of the earliest consoles, and what was the latest console to come out. Well, Dreamcast came out in '99. Dreamcast, as in like. Decent-looking 3D graphics, Shenmue, Sonic, online gaming. I think Fantasy Star Online was for that. And at the beginning, you had, like, TurboGrafx-16 and Super, like, Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo coming out. Great systems. Maybe not everybody would consider the Turbo Graphics an all-time system. <laughs> He's not Moby, but, but great systems otherwise. Yeah, just the, the, the progression blows my mind. Even the progression just to get from like the 16-bit to the, you know, 64-bit, 32-bit. You're looking at a few years. I don't even know what to say. Were you gaming during that time, Leland? Like, you, you were like a baby though, right? You're a baby. You're... I, yeah, no, I mean, honestly, not I've never seen a Dreamcast in real life or played one. Wow. Yeah. It's like mythical for you if you ever become it a is retro a little gamer, mythical it's like it's literally like a dream <laughs> that has been <laughs> casted into your mind <laughs> by this episode were they just like on like someone somewhere was on the edge of this advancement while these earlier gen consoles were being developed or something yes clearly yes. right and it was like oh the one guy was like wait if you had just waited a little bit. I could have given you this and you could have just made all this stuff right from the beginning. <laughs> it was more like that the degree of technological adva advancement, which I remember really well because I was reading lots of video game magazines at the time and into it and buying video game magazines. And I got like four years on you, which as a kid, that means a lot. When you're mm -hmm. a baby, you can't play video games. When you're a four-year-old, you can. You right. try. What do I remember about the generation? I mean, I remember the we had a Super Nintendo. We had to keep it at our grandparents. But when we'd visit them and stay over, which me and my brother did, my brother and I, every couple months, we'd be able to rent a game. And I remember as a kid being like, wow, these newer games look so much better than our original games that came with the system that we had, despite it being the same system. And I didn't know anything about technology. I just, I didn't understand. You put one plastic cartridge in and it looks... 10 years older and you put another one in 
and it looks way bigger. And where you can really see the technological difference in retrospect, Donkey Kong Country, with the graphics that it had, uh, and also Star Fox, which actually added a special chip, a 3D chip, to the um, game uh, cartridge itself that provided like rudimentary but playable 3D graphics. So you could see how quickly things were snowballing even within the same generation. Then I think Sega had the C Sega CD add-on to Genesis, which kind of similarly kicked things up a notch. So it was almost like they were improving so quickly they couldn't even wait for the next console hmm. to start improving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it was crazy. I remember PC gaming too. I remember you were too young. You never saw, you never had the shareware phenomenon. No. So that was like a really weird part of PC gaming. So the shareware phenomenon is you would go to Zeller's and you know where Zeller's was in our town. Um, now Walmart. <laughs> and they had, they had a rack and all the rack had like floppy disk games that were $2 each. And it had a main game and like a minor game. And three quarters of the time, the minor game really sucked, but the main game was good, but you only got like one episode out of three or five and you actually had to mail in a check to like the United States to buy the actual game in which they would mail you back codes to unlock the full game. So or if you were a kid who had the full version of a game that was shareware because your parents mailed in, then it was the craziest thing. That is a... That's bizarre. It really was bizarre. And so were some of the games that came out of it. I remember there was a there was a main game I got called Solar Winds, which is great. I, you can still find all the stuff on like free abandonware nowadays. But there was a weird Robocop kind of game. And you had to find these switches. And every time you hit a switch, it's like Robocop. You're like killing people in bloody chunks. But when you hit a switch, there was like a voice sample that yelled jesus is here and i'm like as a kid i'm like what does jesus is here have to do with flipping a switch and it's robocop <laughs> that's like the kind of weird shit that came out that day <laughs> in that time so most people didn't buy shareware they just you know played the first episode of the game and they were happy because it was two dollars but you know back mm -hmm. then two dollars was like where would you like your corvette sir we'll pull it right out front for you anyways i totally tangented there yeah, so there was that stuff. Then, of course, when the N64 and the PlayStation hit, that was huge. Was that still before your time? PlayStation 1 and N64? No, I, that was like my gaming beginning. I had a, I had a N64 uh, was strictly at my dad's. And basically, we would get a new game for, for every Christmas from our dad's boss. I don't know. I guess he liked oh. dad or something. So he would always get us like a new game. <laughs> and that was really the only interaction with uh, six, Nintendo 64 I had. But that's pretty much why I was like a PlayStation fanboy. Because I had a PlayStation 1 growing up. Some, definitely some really, really good games for it. Is that where you got into Metal Gear Solid? Or was it to take Metal Gear Solid 2 for you to get into it? That, yeah, it took Sons of Liberty before I was into Metal Gear Solid. So I never played uh, I never played Metal Gear Solid 1 and obviously none of the previous Metal Gears either. What's kind of interesting for me, like I have some big memories of N64 in the 90s. One of my favorite memories, because it felt like such a big victory as a kid, was uh, a GoldenEye birthday party at Listener Ben's. And 
um, because you're shooting people. I came from a very conservative family. I remember I was on the phone for 10 minutes with my mom begging, there's paintball modes. You just shoot paintballs at each other. It's just paintballs. And she finally, like, I wore her down. She's like, okay, fine. It's a birthday. You can play it. And I was like, life will never improve from this moment. A golden eye with (laughs) Coca-Cola and pizza party for all night. Life will never improve. So, and it never did. It never yeah, did. Well, depends. Um, <laughs> what what parts of my life could could improve? <laughs> parts are in shambles. But. Well, I mean, you can have Coca Cola pizza whatever you want. Now you're just missing the golden eye. That's right. Well, I've had too much of it, unfortunately, <laughs> since I've had recent recent life stresses. And it's, it's all your mom's fault. <laughs> it's all my mom's fault. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so good memories of that. Uh, good memories of Perfect Dark. I mean, there's so many games. I don't want to just harp on that one system. I have good memories of uh, PlayStation as well. I never owned one back then, but definitely watching listener Ben play Final Fantasy VII. It was like the coolest thing. It was like you could do a summon in that game and literally have time to go to the bathroom and come back and the summon wouldn't be done. It was amazing. So, <laughs> So that was playstation memory i don't have a dreamcast memory i mean i played it in a store but that's it no sega cd or 3do or any other Hmm. system that came out but it was a time of like in-person multiplayer that was fun yeah which carried on into the 2000s the early 2000s at least and until basically you were we were able to reliably play online with people i guess yeah well see like Speaking of in-person playing video games, I probably have told this story in the podcast one time before. I think I remember. But my overly competitive, probably on the narcissistic spectrum father was a big sports guy. And I was never good at sports, but I was forced to play soccer. And I had like two goals ever. But the first goal was an epic penalty kick, which I was chosen for no good reason. I was absolutely scared. I kicked like shit. And... Somehow I ran up to this ball and like kicked the perfect soccer ball, bent it like Beckham, right over the goalie's glove. And um, I ran to the sideline. The coach was cheering. The kids were cheering. And my dad grabbed me by the shoulders and started shaking me. And he's like, whatever you want tonight, you get food, video game, friends, pop. And because he was so competitive through me, he loved it. I scored. So he was like giving me the ultimate reward. <laughs> so I remember I rented a Turok Dinosaur Hunter because I took him at his word that I could rent anything. My dad didn't give a shit that it was mature 17A. He's like, that's great. And then I invented this or invited this friend Jared over and got all these hot wings that I wanted and pizza and everything else. And uh, of course, you know, my mom conservative she is here's you know turok you know couldn't the turok the human enemies in turok die silently couldn't they be like oh i'm hit instead they're like oh oh, oh, my neck or some shit like that and so she heard all these people being blown up by grenade launchers and stuff and she's like what is this filth and took the video game from me but that's okay i got the last word i had the last word it wasn't turok it was another video game with screaming people that on Turbo Graphics that I took back to her place when I was staying over for Christmas like four years ago as like a 31 year old. I like plugged it in downstairs, started playing it, cranked the volume. My mom was vacuuming before Christmas Eve. She's she heard it 25 years later. She's like, that game, not that game. I'm like, I'm 31. I'm playing it. I don't care. Uh, listener, I'm mature person of the year award. <laughs> 
Anyways, it's vindication. That's all I have to say. Vindication. That's right. One of my favorite memories is with Ghost Marty, as he and I, when we first became friends, we bonded predominantly over video games and stuff. We used to play Tekken Three, specifically Tekken Ball mode, where literally where there was this giant. I guess it was made of metal, like a giant metal beach ball that you would use your fighting moves to hit back at each other and try to hit each (laughs) other with the ball. (laughs) It was the most, it was literally the most fun I've ever had with a fighting game. (laughs) And we played a lot of Soul Calibur 2 in the mid 2000s. And that was a great game. But Tekken Ball was the fucking shit, man. Tekken Ball was amazing. It was Literally, you're just like playing ping pong, but with fighters. That was so awesome. I love how you could just fight, but instead by hitting a ball to each other, it's exactly. so much more fun. <laughs> and I think that just falls. I don't think we played it in the 90s, but it came out in the 90s. Yeah, that's fair enough. We'll 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 let that one slide. We'll let that one go. Yeah, I mean, there's just lots of good social memories of playing video games in the 90s, I think great time and i don't know if you can do this because you know of how many you've played or how few but i did want to go through actually did i say a top five yeah i did say a top five wait on obsessive playtime um do you did you happen to make a top five or no or kind of yeah i do i did i did uh let's work our way from bottom up i mean i do have i think three of the choices here are going to perk people's eyebrows if not the top four um, unless listener really knows me, but, um, let's start with your number five. My number five is wild nine. Have you have any idea what this game is? Wild nine. Um, not per se, uh, something's in my mind, but I thought it came out with, came out in the, the, the two thousands. So then I must be wrong. No, late, late nineties, 98. Um, this, I don't even remember actually playing this game, but I have memories of seeing it and just like permeate. And I know I owned it and I know I played it, but this is one of those things that always stuck in my mind and always was like, so bizarre seeming for me. It's like, uh, so it's like, I think at the time they call it like a two and a half D scroll. So it's 3d models, but on a 2d plane. Right. And it's like a plat, it's a platformer where you're kind of running and gunning very like earthworm Jim ish. I think it was made from, by some of the same people as well. So, like, I think it also had the same kind of Earthworm Jim, like, weird humor, too, right? It's like this guy's got, like, an electric whip as your weapon, and you're trying, you know, hitting guys going through all these levels. It's a bit of puzzle solving going through the levels and stuff, and, like, I was never able to beat it. It was impossibly hard. I was terrible at it. I think it was semi-roguelite. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. It was so long ago. But it always, always sticks in my brain. Wild Nine. I was on the PlayStation. I played. That's a good choice. You know, I love when you pull creative pulls that, um, you know, haven't really been discussed on the cast before. And I'm looking it up here. It looks very creative. Uh, so good pull. Uh, my fifth is actually Zelda Ocarina of Time. And the reason. Oh, but, sorry. It probably very stylized. But as I for sure have explained on the podcast before. The reason for quote-unquote obsessive playtime was that our cartridge for the first couple years until I bought it off him was my brother's. And as I mentioned when he was on, my brother would sadistically memory wipe 
my file when it became an adult, which was my favorite spot. And he'd be like, oh, I, I don't know what happened. It, it must have been a glitch. Lying narcissist. Anyways, um, <laughs> but he would always say, go play, start over, play as much as you want. And so he'd let me play and I'd play as much as I want. As soon as I became an adult, you know, maybe got to the fire temple, which was the second or occasionally got to the water temple, which is actually one of my favorites. Suddenly the file would be erased. I'd be like, mm, you have to start over. What a jerk. What a dick. What a jerk. Never having him back on the show. No, that's that's right. You know, he was such a terrible <laughs> guest. Actually, somehow he was great. Anyways, your number four. My number four is probably uh, Crash Bandicoot. Was it like the mascot for Sony really right at the time? In, in addition to a few others that we'll, I'll definitely talk about one of them. But yeah, Crash Bandicoot was like a your typical platformer and a crazy bandicoot. <laughs> Like, what is a bandicoot? What even is a, I don't even know what a bandicoot is. But he loved what were the what was the fruit that he was actually collecting? Were they peaches? Well, it, it's it's interesting. I'm not gonna try to like jump ahead here, but I want to say that Crash Bandicoot is now like a he's on Nintendo Switch with games. Like Sony and Nintendo have made nice, just like Sony and Microsoft have kind of made nice. And yeah. Crash is now cross platform. Specifically, I played the shit out of um, number two, Cortex Strikes Back. Having never played the first one, I had no idea who Cortex was. I just knew that he struck back. That Yeah, it seemed like it's a really cool game. Um, never played it, but it seems like it's cool. And you're right. I mean, it was almost like a three-way race at the time. Mario, Sonic, Crash at one point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then came like soulless Microsoft, who's in the 2000s, who's like, what what are we ever going to do for a mascot? And then suddenly appear above them appeared a halo. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, it was their proverbial light bulb. That's right. Well, somehow Microsoft poured enough money in to survive and actually become a viable console franchise. So good for them. Um, my third, this is where it kind of gets weird. At least, the, or no, my fourth, which is still where it gets weird. I don't even know if I'd mention this around you, Leland, but I know I could download it from somewhere and I started playing with it. I should should make a movie with it. 3D Movie Maker. It's this Microsoft thing that came with our computer, my family's first computer. We didn't open this thing for years. We didn't know what this disc was. We didn't even know it was a game. We thought it was to make movies and we didn't have a video camera. But no, it's actually use animated 3D characters to make movies. And I remember it was non-listener Colin that I had over the first time we unwrapped it and decided to play it and figured out like how to make little movies with it. And there's like robots, you can like do karate fighting and they and stuff like that. We laughed so hard. I've never had so much fun maybe as that first night. We were laughing our ass off. We would give each other 20 minutes to make a movie and then they'd have to show it to us and it'd be the funniest shit. I'm sure now it'd be like completely stupid. But at the time, you're like, what? I created this? And the thing is, we eventually shared it with a bunch of friends. Like, everybody would borrow the disc. And we got, like, really, really good with it. To the point, the game had objects, like cylinders, balls, rectangles, things like that. You could color them. We would take the painstaking time to do, basically, stop-motion animation. So, you would have a character who's doing say a move that's like getting ready to karate chop okay one hand forward one hand back 
Well, we would place like a couple rectangles, one up in his right hand, a larger rectangle going forward, maybe a crescent in between his other hand, so it looked like an AK-47, and we would frame by frame as his karate chop animation came up and pointed forward, move the rectangles and the, you know, like semicircle with it to make this AK-47, and there was this exploding ball animation we colored yellow and made to like muzzle flashes. And we got like masters at doing stop motion in that game. By the, by the time we stopped playing it, the game was probably like 80% stop motion for the time we were all doing our stuff. It was kind of really cool to figure that out as kids because there were no manuals. Nobody ever played this game. But I forget who it was. Somebody figured out, let's just, you know, move objects in stop motion and, and you can do all this really cool shit. That's cool. I remember you. <laughs> I remember you like refining that and fucking around with it in like the late or mid two thousands, making a bunch oh, of yeah weird fucking things with it. <laughs> yeah, and I remember my brother's last movie, Saving Ryan's Privates. That was a really good comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it. I think it had some dude in an army suit who got a couple balls, Chris stop motion animated balls that blew off him into a jungle. And so his friends had to find his balls, <laughs> saving Ryan's private. We were very mature in our early 20s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, uh, very creative. <laughs> <coughs> so you're number three. So this one is pretty much goes hand in hand. Like this and Crash could have been switched up, but I played a ton of Spiral the Dragon. Like it was another, you know, main, like incredibly easily recognizable character for Sony too, right? And I think Spyro... Right is better than Crash. I mean, he's a fucking dragon. He breathes fire. And he kind of flies. So, I don't know. How do you, how do you go wrong? Spyro is cool. Spyro is cool. It, it was a very um, fluid, kind of fun game to control and just make him, you know, jump and then poof, dragon breath. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, it was I just different. a lot of fun. It felt different. It was different. And I think, I mean, it's it was a franchise. It carried on, right? So. Yeah. My next was this is going to be a weird one it's actually a pc game but if listener dan listens he'll know all about this it's uh it's actually called star wars rebellion and um it's a strategy game you have the actual board game version of it so that's your connection um you have the board game version of it which i really want to play um star wars rebellion is in my opinion the best star wars strategy game ever played or ever made um, not a lot of people liked it. The, the manual was terrible and it has a super high learning curve to get into it. Um, it took me so long. I don't know why I stuck with it, but I liked the idea of it. But you would basically have this galaxy map. So you'd have like six solar system. Each solar system would have 10 planets and you would either have to run diplomacy missions to them or to take them over, or you could take them over by force, like doing, a an orbital assault, having your stormtroopers land from Star Destroyers. You had units that could perform like assassinations or capture missions on other characters. But it's not like you knew where other characters were at all times. You actually had to run espionage missions or put ships over that planet to find out who was actually there. So there's like an espionage component. There there was the, you know, galactic component. But then when your fleets actually fought... It was like a 3D game where you're like, you know, sending this ship to go here and shoot this, the ship to maneuver here, the ship to cover this ship. And it was like a game within a game. It was really fun. I mean, you could name your ships whatever you wanted, make your fleets together however you wanted. 
And out of all five games on my list, that is the one game I've consistently played ever through my life. I did a run through like six months ago. I'm probably going to do another run through soon. Wow. Yeah. Hopefully the board game matches up. (laughs) One day we'll get it to the table. (laughs) I've only owned it for three years. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. My next week is Road Rash. Have you ever played this game? I think I have played Road Rash. And it was fun. So simple, but so fucking fun. You're literally just racing motorcycles, but you can smack you can and smash each other, other motorcyclers with chains right. and bats and like kick them off their motorcycles to limit. Like so stupid, but so awesome. <laughs> it was so it was, good. It, it was everything the body needs. Everything we wanted to have. They, uh, they, they I mean, the different did uh, good enough to spawn sequels. I, I remember playing Road Rash 3D. Uh, far inferior to the original Road Rash, I will say. Just that in right in the middle of that time where you just slap the word 3D on anything, and it's like going to fucking <laughs> yeah. sell. Pong. But man, 3D. that game was so fucking fun, so fun, and it looked great. It was it like it was fun. It was like it was like like that. What is that technique where they have like the painted background? Like I don't even know how to describe it. It was. It looked like it was a. It was almost photorealistic. Is yeah, the way I'm looking it at it right now. Screenshots, and you're right. It's either that uh, 3D rendered backgrounds, or it's rotoscoping, something like that. Maybe that's what. Yeah, you're yeah, looking yeah. For. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, it looks fantastic. Looking at this. Oh, I skipped over one, so I got to go back. My my uh, computer was having issues. So what should have been my third pick, Rebellion should have been the next one after this, what should have been my third pick is Heroes of Might and Magic 2. Strategy game for the PC. I never came out on console. Hard to describe what it is. The closest thing is like Tolkien, like elves versus orcs. There's like different castle groups. Some are good, some are demonic, some are like necromancers that raise the dead. Um, But that was the game that we would always trade with listener Ben to give a movie maker for like four months. And then we'd play that for four months and then exchange back and it was a ton of fun it's a game i bought off gog.com i still play occasionally i played it, i think two three months ago i don't know what else to say it's just it's a strategy game that came out in the 90s that took a ton of my time and i love it and i love i loved it and i love it still nice nice so for your top pick okay my top pick i mean again i'm going off of obsessive play times and it's like pokemon red and blue it oh easy yeah. It couldn't be anything else from that era. I, mean, I also did neglect to bring up handheld gaming for, for the 90s, part of my condescending controversy argument. <laughs> but it was definitely, I think we had uh, we had Pokemon Red. And yeah, I mean, what's to say? I mean, I was in the Pokemon craze. When we go into our next segment talking about cartoons, like I would watch the fuck out of the Pokemon cartoon too. Yeah. Who didn't like Pokemon back then? I mean, the original 150, the the OGs, like, that's where it's at. I definitely want to discuss Pokemon. And I got to say, Red and Blue are great games. Yeah. They're, they're, they're great games. They're still a lot of fun. I, I booted one up, I think, a year and a half ago. I, I think I only have Red. Did I buy Blue as well? Anyways, I booted them up and, uh, yeah, they're still a ton of fun. Question for you, though. Did you ever combine your Pokemon Red or Blue with Pokemon Stadium for the N64? No, I never had Pokemon Stadium for that. Holy crap, was that fun. Because what you would do, you'd start a game and there were different tiers of tournaments you could do. So you'd get your Pokemon. I think there's a tier that's like between level 10 and 15 or something to start. 
You get like a, you know, Pidgey, Ratata, Caterpillar, because you couldn't do anything else, Caterpie. Caterpie. You know, no, you have your original, you'd have a Pikachu. You'd like put together this team, and you were playing them with just the handheld version for the last three hours. Suddenly, you know, you boot up Pokemon Stadium, and they're there in 3D with like their name mm-hmm. and their moves, and they're fighting in a real tournament. It was so cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, my top four obsessive playtime was Shadows of the Empire for the N64. The whole reason we got an N64. I the amount there is no other game I can say that literally got me fat. So what got me <laughs> fat the first time <laughs> was playing sat Shadows of the Empire over summer because all I did is sit in my brother's room, which is where the TV with the video games were, and played my Shadows of the Empire over and over and over. Because I was like <laughs> the biggest Star Wars nut. And I literally became a fat kid. In fact, Leland, you should go on my sister's Facebook. She made a sibling appreciation post. One of three pictures was not very appreciative of my body type at that time. (laughs) And that is fully due that picture due to Shadows of the Empire. Just drink wild cherry Pepsi, eat Doritos, and play that game. And I paid for it for years to come. But it just... I, I don't even know why I liked it so much. I think it's the variety. I think it's because there's a bunch of missions where you're running and gunning on foot. There's a few space missions. There's like a foot mission, but you're on kind of like a train where you're dodging all these things. And so it really kept it real. And it was like the coolest game at the time. We eventually amassed a pretty big N64 collection, but that was the first. Nice. We poured hundreds and hundreds of hours into it. So Yeah, I mean, this era... Like I say, I got my start in this era, but it wasn't until the 2000s where I really got hooked and really started investing a lot of time and and money, I guess, too. <laughs> money. Money's fair. And I'll say this to listener. I still remain the guardian and trustee of Leland's copy of GoldenEye 64. I'm sure he'll remember. True. Mm-hmm. I will forever treasure that video game. It's not going anywhere. Except my video game system <laughs> couldn't be in saver hands yes thank you very much well i think it's time to go on to our next segment here are you agreed leland let's go yep okay that was very enthusiastic it's time for movie musings this episode or this segment called toontown where we're going to discuss our favorite 90s tunes the correct answer is pinky in the brain there are no substitutes. <laughs> I've I have a long ass list here. <laughs> well, this segment I'm more meant for you because I knew the video games and the other stuff was going to be more my side due to your age. So this segment was more for you. And so let's kick it off with you. Leland, memories of 90s tunes, favorites, blow it out there. Monologue. I'm just I'm gonna blitz through this list. Just blitz. And if there's anything that you want to ask me about after the fact, we can go. We can talk about it. But let's go. In no particular order. Because it's really hard to rank a lot of these. Samurai Jack. Beast Wars Transformers. Batman the Animated Series. Superman the Animated Series. Batman Beyond. Powerpuff Girls. Johnny Bravo. Recess. Rugrats. Dexter's Laboratory. Animaniacs. X-Men. Spider-Man the Animated Series. Pokemon. Digimon. And Sailor Moon. Loose list of all the shit that I watched in the 90s. It was insane to be a kid Nuts. in the 90s growing up with Nuts. tunes. 
Spoiled. Spoiled, I tell you. We're spoiled to this day because we didn't even know the humor that was in Animaniacs and right? Picking the Brain until we were adults. So, like, exactly. it was like a separate show on top of a show. <laughs> oh, so such good. Picks. So good. I, I, I honestly, though, I cannot speak highly enough of Samurai Jack. That is an amazing fucking series. So good. Samurai Jack's voiced by, uh, what's his name? Phil Lamar, I believe his name is. So good so good it's it's awesome it's like there there are some episodes where there's literally no talking and it's just action and it's just it's just it's 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 drawn so beautifully the style is so awesome and there's mixes of genres because samurai jack is cast forward in time by a coup to to a point where jack doesn't defeat a coup and a coup is rules everything and has his iron fist on the world and jack's just trying to get back to the past so he can set things right it's just it's so good. It's so fucking good. I love it. I love that show. That is so fucking good. Man, I love it. I love it. I, and I love that you touched on shows like Recess. Like, yeah. Recess was a lot of fun as a it kid. It was so good. Yeah. Ugh. You look at it now and you're like, well, why? But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think, did you did you miss some? I'll point out the ones I had because I think you did maybe miss a couple. Well, you had, you had Beast Wars. You had Pinking the Brain. Did you have Darkwing Duck? Oh, I didn't know. Did you, Were you a Darkwing Duck guy? Was it an oversight or were you not a Darkwing Duck guy? No, it was a bit of an oversight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't watch DuckTales all that much. What was that other one? The, uh, the Rescuers or the Rescue Down Under? Um, yeah, Rescuers, Rescue Down Under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole vein, that whole duck family. <laughs> oh, there was like, oh, yeah. Oh, there's so many ducks. It was like... It was like the 90s ducks. was built upon the back of the duck cartoon. <laughs> DuckTales I wanted to put in, actually, but it um it premiered in 87. And I would have fudged that if it was like 89. But mm. um it started earlier than I thought. So I was like, no. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, listener who is young may never know what it meant for the quote or the phrase Saturday morning cartoons mm-hmm. for a kid. You come down Saturday, you know, you don't have to go to school, you're relaxed, maybe your parents make you a nice breakfast, or you can have, like, the biggest bowl of, like, sugary, frosty, double-sugared cereal, and you're watching, like, Pinky and the Brain, or X-Men, or whatever, like, you had it made. Ninja Turtles, because there were special shows that only ever came out on Saturday, Mm -hmm. or Sunday in some cases. Um, I believe out here, at least via antenna, which is what we had, not cable, Animaniacs was a Sunday show. Mm. I know because my parents liked the show more than we did, which now I completely understand. But my parents would like force us every Sunday. It was like two things were religious in my family. Going to church and watching Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain. Because <laughs> both of my parents loved Pinky and the Brain and Animaniacs, oh, that's which funny. I do now too. You know, it's interesting. Like we've compared a lot of 80s and 90s in this episode but like when you think when you compare to like 80s cartoons versus 90s cartoons there's a huge jump there too just in in quality because like 80s cartoons always feels like you know you got like your your he-mans and um jesus why am i blanking on but that type of thing where it's like (laughs) where there's like no actual like real story or like the gi joe where like there's like there's a message and yeah it's mostly in part to sell toys Right. So it's like they're just large commercials. Whereas I think when you move into the 90s, maybe it was just better at being commercials in the 90s. Although when I think of like uh, like 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 the Warner Brothers 
DC animated stuff. Like Warner Brothers always nailed animated. They um, always did. They always did. DC, in, in my opinion. Like, I don't think, like, Batman the anime series it was not a commercial to sell Batman toys. Like, no, I it, it wasn't. Sell it, toys. If, if it was just a commercial, it wouldn't have the enduring popularity that it does with Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. True, true. Like, I will there, say, though, no point. I will say Beast Wars, for sure a commercial to sell toys. The amount of times that they evolved or whatever you want to call them into so they got better and new forms, like, yes. I think Transformers has a history of just making commercials to sell toys. <laughs> yes, you're right, Leland. And also Transformers OG, which is celebrated and rightfully so, was literally created to sell toys. Yeah. As was the Transformer movie, which was made to slaughter the original <laughs> To bring in the new line. Yeah. Very quickly. <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. Like, literally in gauntlets, having the Autobots die in gauntlets. <laughs> like, boom, 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 boom. And here's the new toy line. Go buy it, kids. Needless, you know, they sent so many kids to therapy and crying. Yeah. Beast Wars, it, it made my family buy toys. Like, I had... The only Transformers sure. I ever really knew were Beast Wars. I fucking love Beast Wars. So good. So good. I had a giant Megatron. It was like a second generation. No. Yeah, it was a second generation Megatron. So he had like, so he could fly. A lot of them gained the ability to fly because they needed them to be more mobile. So they just gave a lot, of, most of them flight. So, so. Optimus, flying T-Rex makes sense to me. I know. Optimus Primal uh, was a gorilla on basically a flying surfboard. At one point, and uh, <laughs> Megatron, Megatron just had like his butt opened up into th- thrusters, <laughs> so he flew that way. And he had roller skates. There was a point where they had a same second with Ghost Marty. mode. <laughs> yep, same with Ghost Marty. He just lets it go, and he just he just lets it go. Lids. He flies <laughs> on rollerblades. But they had two modes of transportation. Why would they need two distinct modes to transform into? It just made no sense. It was just like, hey. We can make these really cool things that with move, these toys with moving parts. Let's put more moving parts on them. We toy technology is advanced. We can do what we want. If I don't, if I don't have my station wagon slash jeep hybrid, I am not leaving the Ford dealership. <laughs> you know, I can't for the life of me. No, like I don't know. I could not even fathom to guess what the value of those toys were back then. Especially compared to now, toys are ridiculously overpriced for oh, what you man. Get in that shit. It's criminal. Yeah. Oh, I, I had a original generation Optimus Prime that I just played with it like any kid did, wore it down. I think I still got parts of it, but like he's got a smokestack broken off and none of his guns and the trailer's gone. But that thing boxed. Had I been like some kid that was like, in the year 2000, I was going to be like, this was going to be worth Listener, do you get that reference? If you don't, look up Conan O'Brien. I hope so, yeah. In the year 2000. If I knew it was going to be worth that much, I would have kept the thing boxed. You know what? We're doing it live. We're doing it live. I'm going on eBay right now because I got my computer open. I want to see what a boxed original generation Optimus Prime is. Okay, well, what? doesn't make any sense. Autographed by Peter Cullen... The boxed Optimus Prime Generation 1 is $564, but Jetfire Original Generation non-autographed is $800? Jetfire? He must have been rare. That I guess sense. so. Supply and demand, I guess, is all it is. 
Cullen was signing every fucking box of Optimus Prime he could get his hands on, apparently. Shitfire. I am just like, oh, don't. Don't show me this. Don't. No. Go away. Go away. So there were these Transformer toys where you could like, no, this this kills me. This kills me. I got to send this to my brother. <laughs> you could like put, you could put a bunch of jet Transformers together to make a big Transformer called Superion, and we were missing one toy. And my grandmother brought us to Toys R Us one day, and there was that toy there. Me and my brother begged with tears that we needed that one to form the body core of Superion, and she wouldn't do it. She said, it will be here next week, boys. And sure enough, it wasn't. And then we lost her Superion, and now this thing's like five, 600 bucks. <laughs> All right, Granny. You know what? I'm the executor to your will, but uh, I'm going to be taking my sweet-ass time now. Anyways, oh, oh <laughs> back, to the, back to the tunes. Why were they so Okay, what made 90s tunes so awesome, in your opinion, Leland? I think it's because they spoke that is a to question. Uh, a wider audience. <laughs> they, spoke to, they spoke to, like, not their target, they, their audience, right? They spoke above it almost. Like, they condescended to their... <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then they controversied to the to their older audience. Yeah, I think they knew that for a, a show to be sustainable that the parents would have to buy in and would be watching a little bit of the time, so they had to throw in kind of a dual layer of interest or humor for the parents as well. And my family obviously has seen that herself, you know, particularly with like Pinky and the Brain and stuff, but a few other shows. But yeah, they you know, if you hook the parents as well as the kid, or if you hook the parents before the kid, the parents will say, we're watching this. And there goes your ratings in a good way. Right. Yeah. It's tough for me to comment, though, Leland, because I was actually banned from most tunes. So, oh, my God. What, what was I not banned from? I, I mean, I was banned from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, banned from G.I. Joe's, banned from basically anything that had human-on-human semi-violence. So... Hmm. So a lot of these you may have watched from an older point of view or just not at all. Not at all, to be honest, when it came to things like G.I. Joe and in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Beetlejuice. Um, hmm. All of those were banned. Transformers wasn't banned. Darkwing Duck wasn't banned. DuckTales wasn't banned. Animaniacs, there's Pinky in the Brain. That's basically all I can remember. It wasn't banned as far as tunes x-men band so yeah i i feel like i missed out to be quite honest i think you did um yeah i mean okay so you said you wanted to talk about pokemon though i did want to talk about pokemon yes 100 okay so let's let's go in there sure well let's start with your memories of pokemon did you get into it through the cards first the show first both around the same time uh memories of the show oh that's a really good question i actually don't know I just know that definitely collected the cards uh, and definitely watched because it was like every day after school, back to back episodes of Pokemon at three and three thirty. Yes. So we get yes. home like right at the beginning of the first episode and be able to watch the entirety of the second one, at least. That's pretty much. And then I watched a lot of Digimon. And at the time, I really liked Digimon. Digital Monsters. Oh my man, that did that show did not compete with Pokemon. 
I don't know, man. It had a it had its different aesthetic. It was uh, I liked how they could combine, and they were also like way more sentient than Pokemon were. That's true. I mean, when all you all you can do is say like Balba Balba or Pika Pika, then there's really not much conversation that can occur. <laughs> yeah. Although it's kind of weird how when the Digimon would uh, digivolve, they would like also basically be aging. So when they're in their like weakest form, they're like basically like the kids that they're paired up with. But then they get <laughs> like, what's the what, I don't even know. I don't even remember any of the names because they're all like Digi Oramane Goldie Goldie Pukamon or something. Exactly. Like, they have the most like, complicated when, names ever. They were because they would like two Digimon would literally fuse sometimes and become like extra Heka Deka Mecha Sakamon. <laughs> and it was like this T-Rex with a angel on its back and like turrets coming out of his ass it's like <laughs> turrets coming out of his ass t-rex <laughs> with an angel coming out of his back i'm imagining man but you know as a kid you bought it you're like well of course why wouldn't a t-rex have an angel flying and turrets out of its ass this makes so much sense it you know? just makes sense. homework doesn't make sense. make sense a flying t-rex angel with ass turrets makes sense right <laughs> that was cartoons <laughs> That was a cartoon. Five yep. times five. No, I don't know my multiplication tables, but I know how many turrets come out of that ass. I don't need to know, but I can tell you what this <laughs> Digimon plus this Digimon times that Digimon is. That's my multiplication table. There you go, teacher. Now give me an A. Oh, what, a B plus? I hate grade six. <laughs> it literally kind of was like that. Like, who the fuck fails a grade six or for trying? B plus a month. This is not the Digimon <laughs> I signed up for. <laughs> That's so good. I remember, um, oh man, with Pokemon. I just, I remember the, the theme song most of all. And the theme song was great. I remember the movie. Mewtwo's like first Which kill one? or whatever it was called. Which one of the 17 Pokemon movies there? <laughs> well, I mean, so, okay. So I was the class at school, like my class, the, the 1985 kids. We were the very oldest kids that would even consider watching Pokemon or getting Pokemon cards. Not a single kid at my school, the grade, grade above me, to my memory, bought a single Pokemon card or watched the show. So we were constantly being insulted by our classmates and by being the older kids, uh, myself and maybe a third of the class who got in on the whole Pokemon shindig. And um, I don't know. It was just, it was when we saw the Mewtwo's first movie or whatever, it was pretty violent for a kid's movie. Like he explicitly kills a lot of, um, a lot of scientists and stuff like that. It was, I don't know. My memory was pretty violent. And so I remember myself in non-listener Colin being like, yeah, this is like the coolest cartoon. This totally vindicates us as like grade eights that love Pokemon. And I was like, why? <laughs> this makes it cool, yeah. Why couldn't a grade eight like Pokemon? Yeah. I have Pokemon now. I'm 35. So exactly. whatever. And I'm also recently single. So what does that say? <laughs> but yeah, Pokemon was fantastic. And I don't know. I It still holds a special place in my heart. I can almost remember opening all my best cards. Mm, or getting cool. my best cards. I remember I traded my Raichu to list you know listener Ben's brother Alex, right? Mm-hmm. I traded my Raichu, which was my pro- my prize card, for his Nine Tails, 
And I remember like three months later, we met in the schoolyard and I'm like, I really miss my Raichu. And Alex was like, I really miss my nine tails. So I'm like, trade back. And he's like, oh, yes. And so we traded back. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was like the card was living. It was our pet. Of course. It's your Pokemon. <laughs> it was my Pokemon. That's fine. Yeah, I got my Raichu and my Chansey in the same two packs. There's a nice old man who ran the card store in uh, Maple Ridge, and he would he was the only person that would limit each kid to two packs so that more kids could get packs because they'd sell out the day they got in oh, during yeah, that yeah, craze, yeah. the day they got in. And so we got a couple packs, and, you know, my brother usually scored like a first edition Charizard and Digimon evolved thing that shouldn't even exist. And that day he got two crappy things in his packs and I got a foil chance, you know, foil Raichu. And I'm like, I'm the king of the world. I thought I was the king of the world with golden eye, but now I'm the king of the world with Chansey and Raichu. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, I mean, that's a fucking hell of a IP, that Pokemon. Oh, totally. Money. It just prints money. Just well, I, I think the new Pokemon Snap is out. You don't have a system. I gotta play it. Oh, Where's really? Ghost Marty? I gotta say we gotta play. It. Yeah, I think new Pokemon snaps out. Wow. Okay. You gotta get listener, our two leaders of growers. We almost made <laughs> We need it. We almost made Ghost Marty like not just Ghost Marty, like five feet underground Ghost Marty pay- playing Pokemon schnapps at his stag. Yeah. And listener, if you he ever wanna died. know, find us on Facebook, <laughs> become a hundred dollar a month patron, and I'd be glad to tell you that story. <laughs> he there it was touch and go there whether he would make it that day yeah Whew, you're not that joking. was a rough That's day a no we're, we're not, not literally he, we should have taken him we to a almost hospital. killed him for we real. really should have taken him to a hospital to get his stomach pumped or whatever <laughs> hook him up to the iv because he fucking needed it so why does movie like animaniacs now <laughs> is my next point <laughs> Everyone likes nice Animaniacs. Segment. Everyone likes Animaniacs enough they were there made it again. They did. Have you seen any of the new episodes? Or the, I have the, it. What platform is it on? I think it's buried behind like HBO Platform Plus Prime Platinum Triple Gold Legion or something. Like I that. knew it. It's the only one I don't have. <laughs> $760 a month, but you can watch Animaniacs. <laughs> like going down all these portal rabbit holes. I'm looking up where it is right now. Where are Yakko, Wacko, and Dot? Oh, it's on Hulu. But doesn't didn't someone buy Hulu now? Probably. Controlled, fully controlled, and majority owned by the Walt Disney Company. Interesting. You got to think that's going to combine with Disney Plus at some point. Well, yeah, right? So then why is it on Disney Plus? What the fuck am I paying for Disney Plus then? I don't know. If, if Animaniacs was on Disney Plus, I'd resubscribe today. Right now I'm waiting for all the Boom. Star Wars shit to come out. Simple answer to my own question, why do I like the Animaniacs now, is because that cartoon, okay, that cartoon wasn't just dual-layer humor. I really think that cartoon was really meant for the parents, like 75%, 25%. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense as a kid. It's not It's not dirty humor for the most part, but it's just like pop culture references and stuff that a child would never get. Yeah, it's like they were, I mean, they were writing it for themselves. When they were creating that show. Which is really cool because, um, you know, I don't think you could get away with that nowadays. 
I, I'm just thinking like what barrier streaming services would offer. You know, you you throw up on Disney Plus some show that targets adults, not kids, but is technically a kids show. You know, how many parents stick with streaming that stuff when they're just looking for a babysitter for the kid? I don't know. Maybe it would work, but to me, it just seems illogical. Uh, what else have we got here? Should Brain have ruled the world? <laughs> no, he's too stupid. Brain is... No, Pinky is the stupid one, not Brain. No, uh, Brain... Uh, Pinky is the secret genius one. Foiling Brain so he doesn't <laughs> rule the world. Narf! <laughs> I, it was funny because it was funny because watching it as a kid, my dad always loved Pinky, which is who who I like. And my mom always loved Brain. So they would be like laughing at separate parts of the show, but never together. <laughs> so like, every time Pinky, I mean, I could go up to my mom right now and go narf and she would probably just like right away just start laughing. I'm like, this is the stupidest humor ever, mom. And that's what it she liked so but I don't know. I thought their ideas were pretty funny about how they were going to take over the world. I mean, they they got a lot done for being a couple of mice. <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, I wonder if those are, are available. Oh, you can't forget Chicken Boo. That honestly, <laughs> the best part of that show is did Chicken we, Boo. Okay, am I mistaken here? Did we marathon Chicken Boo together or did you just inspire me to marathon him at my own house on YouTube? Like you must have done it on your own. So it's just, it's the best idea ever. Chicken. It's so it's like stupid smart. It's so stupid, but it's so fucking funny. <laughs> I mean, you just layer, cause you layer it on top of all those pop culture references. Right. So it still has some type of layers to it. I mean, they may be a little thin at some points, but it's still got some layers. Nixon. That man is not a cluck. I know, <laughs> I a, know cluck. a cluck. <laughs> <laughs> so good the poor chicken doesn't do anything he just stands there each episode yeah you gotta look this up around. on youtube honestly listener just just do it like they're, they're such short clips and just look it up on youtube um watch it watch a few clips and see if you enjoy it they're just i don't know i i think they're hilarious for most people so he's not a man he's a chicken boo he's not a man he's a chicken boo well, I guess it kind of wraps it up. I mean, I was going to say if there's any legacies of 90 tunes, but we just talked about Animaniacs coming back. Yeah, I mean, the Transformers series has continued. I don't know. The legacy in my mind is that it was just the best decade for tunes. Yeah. Like, you could, like, turn the TV on at, like, any time of the day. Like, because, like, that was, like, when you had um, Cartoon Network and all that shit. A whole network for cartoons, man. I know, And, like, man. Fox Kids. Fox Kids had all my favorite shows, right? That was basic. That was what where I was. That's where you were on Saturday morning was watching Fox Kids. And it was like five straight hours of cartoons, too. It was from like 7 a.m. to noon. <laughs> it was just a block of cartoons. Saturdays were the best thing ever as a kid. Yep. They were the best thing ever. Just so much entertainment. You just stapled your butt in front of the TV and watched them tunes. Yep. Bowl of Frosted Flakes. Bowl of Frosted Flakes. And then wasn't there like public service announcements? What was the one? Um, there was Stay Alert, Stay Safe. Did you watch those? The yeah. two bunnies? Yeah. Stay alert. Yeah. Stay safe. <laughs> yes. And then was, oh my What was the God, other one? Yes. I can't believe I still remember that jingle. Wow. That's a deep pull. That is a deep pull from the back of a deluded mind. Well, uh, Okay. Where, what was the Scruff McGruff commercial for? Scruff McGruff? 
Scruff oh, McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, 60652. Was re- you could mail him or you could like send him a letter. <laughs> what was that? I have no idea what it was for, but it was like Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, 60652. Oh, <laughs> the first thing that comes up. John Morales, the actor who played Scruff McGruff, was sentenced to 16 years in prison, stemming from an arrest where they seized 1,000 marijuana plants, 27 illegal weapons, including a grenade launcher, and 9,000 rounds of ammunition from his home. That's where (laughs) McGruff the dog went. (laughs) 27 weapons, including a grenade launcher. (laughs) There's a Reddit thread from six years ago. How does mail get to Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, 60652? If there's no street address. <laughs> I'm trying to look. Okay, it was used by police outreach. Successful campaign, $100 million in free airtime. He covered topics such as child abduction, robbery, anti-drug, anti-bullying. <laughs> the Urban Dictionary definition. <laughs> Scruff and Gruff. An anthropomorphic cartoon dog who fights crime and solves mysteries. Gives out free comic books via the mail on how to avoid things like getting your ass kicked. For a free comic book, <laughs> mail me Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, 60652. And help take a bite out of crime. Oh, the humanity. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> I love that. Is that is awesome. You know what? Because I knew all the oh. best cops even as a kid came out of Chicago, Illinois. Like, shit goes on in Chicago. You know? Oh, yeah. You knew that yeah, as a yeah, child. Absolutely. and his actor what is going on with humanity oh the humanity i don't even want to ask about like the two what were the two fit people it wasn't like a cartoon it was like joanne mcleod and hal stevens or something (laughs) joanne let's see like stay fit or something they would teach you to to jump oh yes oh my god and like healthy eating and stuff Okay, so I just pulled up a Scruff McGruff ad from 1998. Eight seconds in, it has his Scruff's nephew, whatever his name is, bursting into a house with his friend. His friend is rummaging through a closet and pulls out a handgun. Wow. I'm going to put this in the show notes. (laughs) Do that. Now it's bothering me that I don't know the... uh, It's bothering me that I don't know the Joanne McLeod... Oh, Joanne McLeod and Hal Johnson. That's it. What were they? Tell me what they were. Or Canadian television. Body break. Body break. That Body was it. break. Oh, yes. Body break was awesome. It's like she, she's wearing normal clothes. He's wearing the spandex most often. Body break. Keep fit and have fun. Oh, she's eating an apple. How quaint. You know what, listener? If you didn't see this shit, you may not know what we're talking <laughs> about. This, this was the best shit ever. Body break. <laughs> oh, That kept me from being a 300-pound 10-year-old. At Body Break on Twitter. It's still active? Wow. Yep. Get Canada healthy by keeping fit and having fun. Hashtag corporate speaking. Hashtag fitness. Hashtag health. (laughs) Oh, man. This gets dark. Hal Johnson speaks out about the racism that compelled him to make Body Break. Wow. Anyways, that's too deep for this podcast. We ain't... You ain't not... (laughs) You ain't not one of that shit. They're <laughs> I'm just messing up that. Get out line. of here, Dewey. You don't want none of this shit. Dewey. You okay, let's fucking shit. end the show stuff before we f- uncover more body breaks. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> okay, we don't want to do that. That'll be the, like the next episode, the Body Break Special. We'll get Hal Johnson as our guest. <laughs> Anyways, end of show stuff, Leo. End of show stuff. Our website, ttpopcast.com. Find our show notes to find. I'm putting in. There's more than just one Scruff McGruff commercial listener, <laughs> and you need to find them, and you need to watch them. Put them all in. Every <laughs> single one. I want that dog to be the most famous person in Canada. <laughs> We're, let's, let's make Scruff McGruff go viral in 2021, okay, listener? Let's do it. We'll email him for an e-comic. Yes, to avoid on how to get your ass kicked. How, how to avoid getting your ass kicked. That's important stuff in 2021. Absolutely. Get that Roman <laughs> vaccine, says Scruff McGrath. <laughs> Popcast on Facebook. TG Popcast <laughs> on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, Leland underscore Steel. That is who I've been. I'm Moby. I occasionally torment Leland somewhere on social media. And occasionally we pretend to be friends. But anyways, <laughs> take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Bye-bye.